0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Okay, I, 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 warn, I warned of this. I warned of this. This is what we're going to start doing. We're going to start just like let service start and then take away the front rows and then be like, ha-ha, boom, now you're in the front. Because um, no one likes to sit in the front, and this is really awkward. Like I'm about to just move right down here because it's like, man, why, why, did, why, are we, why do they hate us? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. So uh, welcome to Austin Life. My name's Corey. I'm one of the pastors. Um, this, is, uh, this is a coffee mug that was found in the lost and found, and so I just, I just chose to drink out of it so that maybe someone who left it would know, hey, that's my coffee mug. Um, if you want it back, it's here. Uh, otherwise, I don't know, maybe I'll just leave it here for next week, I don't know. I like to drink out of mugs, just fun fact. You know, here, let's talk a little bit about, so you know me a little more, I like mugs. I don't like a paper cup. Um, I just, I like to drink out of a mug. It is what it is, so. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> I don't even know where my brain is right now. That's okay, right? That's all right. Um, I mean, so we moved here a couple years ago to start this church. Uh, it's funny. Stephanie and I were in Central Market uh, two days ago. What's today? Sunday, Friday. So that's two days ago. And we were talking to this this mom who she has a daughter at uh, at our kids' school, and um, and so we just she asked like, well, "What brought us to Austin?" Like, well, "We moved we moved here to start a church." And she was like, "You moved you moved here to start a church?" And we we're like, "Yeah." She's like why (laughs) and there was just this like perplexion of why? why would you do that like who does that um and and we realized that for a lot of people and I think even if you've been in a church and you've been in this church and you've been in any church we forget a lot of the reasons thank you so much for sitting on the front row I I appreciate that we forget for a lot of reasons why are we here you know, and, and I think I grew up for the longest time and, and I went to church because that's what you do. It's Sunday, and so now you get up and you go to church. Um, and, and so uh, it was just like that's what you do as any type of person who was religious or claimed to be a Christian, or like, you just go to church. Um, but, but this is far more than just going to church. Um, we are here for the purpose not to gather a crowd, not to put on a show, not to, not to be some big church or, or whatever. Um, we are here for the single purpose of leading people to life in Jesus. Um, and that's 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 every person. So whether you're here today and you would say like I I don't even I don't know if I believe in Jesus like maybe the person but I don't know any more beyond that, um, or, or maybe you are the person who uh, you were born and like the, the the earliest memory you have is in the church like that's all you can remember from your early days on. Um, whatever your background is, we believe that there's more to be had in Christ. That, that none of us are going to hit the ceiling where we're like oh man. I... I I got, like I mastered this. I know everything there is to know about Jesus. Um, there's an infinite abundance of what we can know in Christ. And so it doesn't matter where you are on that scale. Our hope is that, and we're going to put our cards on the table. Our hope is that from today and from being a part of this church, that, that you progressively just take one step at a time to know Jesus more, to love him more, um, to be in a deeper relationship with him. And, and that will last a lifetime um, until... One day we stand in glory and it's in perfection. Um, praise God, that day will be amazing. Uh, but that's, that's our purpose. And, and so why why Jesus? Right? Like why is it so much leading people to life in Jesus? And, and what we've been saying the last few weeks um, is that as a people, we're all chasing something. Right, like we want to be satisfied, and we are trying to input so many things into our lives that we think are going to satisfy us. We're, we're just trying to drink from from whatever fountain that is going to fill us. Right, so whether that is drinking from the the bottle of gin, or whether that is drinking from the the you know paycheck that comes in, or the success or the recognition that we get, or maybe it's drinking from the the fountain of a new relationship that will feel comforting and loving. Like we try all of these things, and and whether they're good or bad, um, none of them are going to fill us like they will all leave us looking for more and we we all know that every single one of us we know that we've tried to find our happiness in something only for maybe it to last and then fade away we all know that and and yet Jesus never lets us down he's never going to fade away and so that is why we want to lead people to life in Jesus he is our only answer to relationship with God that's it and so that's that's our single focus that's what we're about and so then we started asking the question, how are we going to do that? Like, what's the point of being a church, of being a people to come together and say, this is what we want to do, but then not having a clue of how we're going to do that? And so that's where we said the, the four things of our strategy, the four ways that we're going to do that, is first, we're going to abide. We have to abide. We have to stay connected to Jesus. And so last week, we had a real, a real flower plant um, and we cut off a branch, and it was all withered and like drying up. And the, everyone knows, whether you're a horticulturist or not, that if you take the branch off of the, the tree, off of the, the, the stem, it's going to die. It cannot live because it's disconnected from the source of life. And so if we're going to lead people to Jesus, we have to be connected to Jesus. We have to know him and grow in him and stay close to him. The second thing we have to do is we have to invite people into our lives We have to invite people to truly have a friendship and a relationship with us. Then we share the gospel. We share with people how they can have a relationship with Jesus. And then we build one another up to love and obedience in Jesus. Together we link arms and with those who who come to be a part, we walk with one another to grow in our faith. That is how we lead people to life in Jesus. So last week we talked about abide. Today we want to talk about inviting and then sharing the gospel. And so one thing that we have um, been saying is that we want to be a church where there is always an open seat at the table. For anyone and everyone, there is an open seat for you to come and to sit and to explore Jesus and to share life with us. That you're, you're not going to come here and find a rejection that says, hey, you got to behave before you can belong. But you can belong in community as we all seek to know who Jesus is. And we just trust that Jesus is big enough that, that he can do the work of transforming our lives. And so we, just, we want to fling open the doors the same way that Jesus has for us, and we want to welcome people in as Christ has welcomed us. And we believe that around a table, in real community, in real friendship, not this like fake, like, oh, hey, let's do the church thing, but like real relationships, that in dialogue around that table, that's where people will come to know Jesus and grow in him in faith. And so, so we want to have an open seat at the table for anyone and everyone, the same way that Jesus did for us. And so Romans 15 is kind of where the heart of that comes from. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Romans 15. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we always have some at the table there, or there's even some out in the back. Um, there's some large print Bibles because, man, let's be honest, that fine print is small. Like it's like font size five. I don't know, but it, is, it hurts my eyes. And so if you want a large print, there's those two. Um, verses will also be on the screen, but. Uh, We always want to have Bibles that you can have as well. So Romans chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. All right, Paul says, we who are strong have an obligation. We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. I and mean, if you're okay with like underlining or highlighting your Bible, just highlight that last phrase. Not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Why? Because Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in conclusion, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What the, we can read this in and, and, and the Bible. Like, there's some words in here and I'd be like, oh man, I don't, the, the reproaches, like what does that mean? But the... But what we know, what is incredibly clear, what we all know, if we just read verse 7, that is not an option to welcome one another into our lives as Christ has welcomed us. If we have said, hey, I'm following Jesus and he is my Lord, that means we throw everything on the table. He, he calls the shots and his shot is incredibly clear. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed like it's just, it's, it's abundantly clear for us that that's what we're called to do. Now, I'll be, I'll be honest, hospitality, welcoming people in, it, is not easy. Because it requires less of me. And, and I'm, I'm incredibly selfish. And so for me to welcome you in means there's less at the table for me. Like there's rest, let, less, less pie for me. I've got to share the pie with you now. And it gets even more difficult, right? When I'm called to welcome people that aren't like me. When I'm called to welcome people into my life that quite honestly are not the easiest to love. Like that's, let's just be honest, that's tough. And yet that is very clearly what we are called to do. And so what I want to do today for the, for the few minutes we have is I just want to kind of start back and work up um, from, the, from Genesis into the New Testament. And let the, the hospitality, the welcomeness of God towards us, let that inspire our hearts to then go and welcome others as he has welcomed us. So let's pray together first, and then we'll we'll go back to Genesis and work our way back in to the New Testament. God, I I admit that I am quick to think about myself. It's really easy for me to Find the angle in every situation that most benefits me. And so I confess that God and I ask for the humility of Jesus to to increase in me so that so that you and your love would be more seen through my life. God, would you give every one of us in this room the strength and the courage to lay down ourselves so that we can lift others up that we would have the the conviction to not seek our own pleasure, but to seek the pleasure of others before ourselves. The same way that you have for us. It's in Christ that we ask. Amen. So I, I don't think I have to um, give a lot of, I don't think I have to do a lot of convincing to, to, to convince everyone that we all want to be welcomed like no one wants to be on the outside looking in. Um, a, a couple of examples that, that no doubt you can probably relate to if you think back a couple of years or a few years back is, I, mean, I, I went in, as, in high school. I was a high school pastor, and I went and visited. Um, I was going to have lunch with one of my students, and I show up, and I find him, and he, he's sitting at this table, and I'm like, oh, hey, dude, is this like, are these your school buddies? Um, and, and he was like, no, these are, these, are just, these are just some, I have a couple of classes, but we're not really friends or anything, and I was like, Oh, okay. And then I looked a couple tables over, and there's literally two other guys in his in his small group. Like they're they're friends, and they're 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 in his small group in church. And and I was like, why aren't you sitting with Zach and Garrett? And he was like, oh well, you know, they, there's not a seat at their table, and so like if I go over there, I might lose this seat, and I don't. Then I where would I sit? And and it clicked that he was more afraid of not having a seat at a table, and kind of kind of walking up and doing the, oh, I don't have anywhere to go, and then leaving, like, he was more afraid of that than than sitting in a place where he felt comfortable, because there was this fear, right, that nobody wants to walk up to a crowd and just kind of find themselves standing on the outside while everybody else is doing their thing. Like, I I don't care if you're in high school or you're 72, like, nobody wants to feel that. Um, Stephanie and I, we were riding our bikes through campus um, man, a couple of weeks ago. I, was, I think it was the first home game. And so we were riding down Sand Jack, and we were trying to figure out where we can have a tailgate because we want to have an Austin Life tailgate every year or every home game if we can, just a place to, to invite people in and, and, you know, have some food and hang out before the game. And if anybody has some, like, season tickets that they want to, like, will over to us, we, we'd gladly take those as well so we can invite people into the game with us. But most often, we'll probably just stay on the outside of the stadium um, but but we were just like, okay, how do we? Where, how does this work? How do you tailgate here? And so, there was this this tailgate happening, um, and so I, I just walked up to him and was like, hey, how does this work? Like, is it first come first serve, or do you like reserve this space? Do I have to pay something. And she was like, oh, no, no, it's first come, first serve. Like, you just come and set your stuff up. What do you want to drink? And then she just, like, started making, Stephanie and I, we'd never met her. She starts making us drinks. She takes us over to the food table, and she's like, here's some jambalaya. And she literally just starts, like, putting food in our faces, and she introduces us to everyone around. And we stayed for, like, 30, 45 minutes and felt like we could have, we could have stayed the whole time. And she told us, hey, come tailgate with us. Like, just come set up right next to us, and you can do it. And it was just this incredible feeling of, welcoming and hospitality, like we, we felt like we belonged there. We had a seat in their inner circle, and, and it was just a perfect picture of, I mean, this is what we all want, right? Like we want to show up somewhere, and, and someone turn and see us and identify us and come and bring us into their inner circle, right? Like that is what we all desire. We are created for community. We're created to belong, and, and here's the incredible thing. This is who God is, is that he is a God of hospitality and that he sees us and he pursues us and he initiates a relationship and he invites us into his family. He invites us to be a part of his world, his life, his creation. And so in Genesis, we see this in the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, right, where God is creating everything. So God has chosen to speak the world into existence and then in Genesis chapter one, verse 26 Says, then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Then I mean, God said, Let us make man in our who, who proposed that idea to God? Who who proposed the idea like, hey, let's let's bring people into this story? God did. Right? Like I know that's not a tr- like God initiated the movement of including people into his story. And so God chooses, let us make man in our image. If you go to verse 27, so, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God chose to initiate including us into his story. We never bargained with him for that, right? Can you think back to before you ever existed? Like kind of this, I don't know, I don't even know how that works. Like what, what were we before we were, right? When we weren't sitting there bargaining with God, like, hey, can you go ahead and include me in your story, like, that didn't happen, and yet God chooses to initiate community and relationship and invite us in from the very beginning. And so then what happens, right? We, if you know the story, Genesis 3, it takes all of two chapters before Adam and Eve decide to go their own way. They're you know, like, hey, God, thanks for everything, but we got this. We're going to choose our own path because we, we know better. Um, and they go their own way, and what happens? Immediately, shame and fear and brokenness enter the picture and it's what it's what we've been saying is what the bible teaches right when whenever we in our incredible wisdom think we know better than god shame and fear and brokenness the first time that hiding happens genesis chapter 3 when sin enters the picture we hide because we've separated ourselves from the safe peaceful relationship with god that we're created to have and so adam and eve they 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 go their own way just like we all have we've all separated ourselves and so so then what god's like well you had your chance Better luck next time. Creation of the world, round two. Maybe we'll get it right. No, God then pursues. He pursues the ones that are walking away from him because he is a hospitable God who invites and welcomes people into his life. We see in Exodus where Israel has been taken to be slaves in Egypt. They're strangers in this land. They don't have their own rights. They don't have their own freedom. They can't worship. It says that they're strangers, but God pursues them, and in his own power rescues them and invites them back into a relationship with them. And then in Leviticus 19 verse 33 and 34, we don't read a whole lot from Leviticus. Leviticus 19 verses 33 to 34, God tells his people, when a stranger resides with you in your land, when an outsider comes and he he finds himself among you, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you you shall, shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Why? Because you were aliens. You were strangers in the land of Egypt. But I am the Lord your God, and I've brought you in. So God, God appeals to the fact that, that they were outsiders in Egypt, but he came and he brought them into his family. And so now he says, How could you not go and bring others into your family when that's what I've done for you? And so he gives the command in the Old Testament, he's like, hey, go welcome people into your life the same way that I've welcomed you. Go and love people, make them family, make them home the same way that I have done for you. God is a welcoming and a hospitable God. He invites us into his life. And then when we get to Romans 15, we see that he says, for us to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. That you and I are to welcome one another. So, so look, just take a quick look to the person to your left. You don't have to linger. You know, you don't have to, like, don't have to stare. Just a quick look. If you want to look behind you, go ahead. If you want to, you know, see the, the head in front of you, you can. Romans fifteen seven that you said, 7 says you're to welcome those people into your life the same way that Jesus has welcomed you into his. So, so there's people in this room even That you've never met, and God's like, hey, welcome them into your life the same way that Jesus has welcomed you. So so then we gotta ask the question: how has Jesus welcomed us? Right? Let's look at let's look at his invitation, his hospitality, and let's see how Jesus welcomes in us so that we then know how to welcome in not only people in this room, but 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 our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates and 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 the people at the at the gym or the grocery store. Like, how are we to welcome them in? So Three things, I mean, and we could probably point out several, but three things that we see in the life of Jesus of how he welcomed people in. First is he had a heart of humility. He he had a heart of humility. Humility says, um, let's just go ahead and and read it, in, in Philippians chapter three. Sorry, Philippians chapter two. Do nothing, from selfish ambition or conceit. Do do nothing, That, that Greek word nothing, when you break it down in the original language, it literally means nothing, like no thing, not a single one, it's wild, it's just crazy. Do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, consider others as more significant than yourself. What, what I love about that, too, is that he doesn't say, like, consider those that are easy. Consider those that are like you, and so it's not, it's not challenging. Consider your roommates. Consider He just says, consider others. Like, just consider all people. Let's just lump everyone in there. Consider others as more significant than yourself. That's what humility is. is to lift up others above yourself. Consider others as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind of humility among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you're ever like, I can't, I can't be humble. No, if you're a Christian, you have the mind of humility in you. It's there. It's our choice whether we're going to put it on or not. Like that's not a, oh, I just can't. That's a, that's a disobedience thing. So we're going to either put on the humility that is in us in Jesus or we're not. And So he says, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, though he was the essence of God, God himself, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He let go of himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him because God gives grace to the humble. He exalts the humble. He has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. When, when we think about the the welcome hospitality the, the, the the hospitality of Jesus, the inviting culture of Jesus, we have to start at his heart of humility. That Jesus, it says in Romans 15, did not please himself. Look, if Jesus was going to please himself, he would have never come. He, he would have stayed in heaven where it was perfect and all of the angels glorified him and he had everything that he could possibly ever dream of or want in perfection. He would have stayed there, but he willingly let go of himself in order to lift others up. To the glory of God right if he was going to please himself when, when he looked at the cross and he prayed father I don't I don't want to go is there another route can, can this pass from me he he wouldn't have been prayed but nevertheless not my will your will be done if he was going to please himself he would not have enjoy pursued the cross through the pain and suffering for our good I mean you know what we do when it's when, when it's hard when we're hurt when we're hurt we turn inward Right? We, we look to protect ourselves and, and guard ourselves. It, we don't look outward to lift other people up when we're hurt. And yet that's what Jesus did. He didn't please himself. He sought to honor God by lifting you and me up. It's this heart of humility that runs deep within him. We will never be a welcoming people. We will never create an open seat at the table if we don't have the heart of humility because the heart of humility thinks of others before self. The heart of humility thinks, how does that person feel standing on the outside? The heart of humility says, what are people gonna see when they walk in here? We have to have a heart of humility. Look, and, and, and I'll be, I mean, again, humility doesn't come natural. Selfishness runs real deep, Am I right? Really deep. And so we've gotta pray and ask God, to create in us a heart of humility. Psalm 139, Stephanie and I have kind of been texting this to each other and praying this as we as we remember. Psalm 139, David prays this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. So, so maybe that's just a prayer that you you... you right on your mirror, or you tape into your car or whatever, but it's this prayer of, okay, God, examine my heart, examine my mind, examine every part of me, and if there's any way in me that is prideful, expose it so that I can repent of it and put on humility. Because we have to have the heart of humility if we're ever going to love people before ourselves. That's the heart that Jesus had, was a heart of humility. We also see in the life of Jesus that he initiated relationship. Like, he pursued the outsider to bring them in. Again, like, none of us proposed the idea to God. None of us knew, like, man, we've really messed this up. If only we, God, hey, could you send Jesus to come and to fix what we broke? Like, could you send Jesus to come and welcome us back in? Like, none of us had that idea, but rather it was the will of God for Jesus to come and initiate a relationship with you and me to initiate and fix what we broke. One of my favorite stories of this is Mark chapter two. So in Mark chapter two, starting in verse 13, we see Jesus call Levi. And he says in verse 13, he went out again beside the sea, talking about Jesus. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, as he was going, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. We see Jesus is walking along doing his thing, and he sees Levi, and he goes and initiates a relationship with Levi and calls Levi in. He, he takes interest in the life of Levi, and he invites him into his circle, into his life, into his relationship. I mean, he, here's, here's what I think is a lot of our problems, is we just don't see people and take interest in them. Like, we, we're so busy with our lives, we're so busy with what's going on in our circle that we never look up to see Levi. And oftentimes, we just walk right past him. We just pay, we, we don't even notice that he's sitting there. And we just, we just walk right past him. So, so often, we're just so comfortable in, in what's going on in our lives that we never step outside of our comfort zone to invite people into the comfort that we know. Most people are not going to come to you. Most people are not going to initiate a relationship with you. If you've ever come to this church by yourself, if you looked it up and came on your own, I applaud that. Because that is not easy. Because you run the risk of showing up to a place with people and no one noticing you. And I think one of the loneliest, if not the loneliest feelings, is feeling alone in a crowded room. Because it just tells you, I am alone here and no one's paying attention to me. And so if you've come on your own, I applaud you. If you've not been welcomed, I apologize, and we will do better. We have to initiate and invite people in. We have to leave the, the, the safety of the 99 and go pursue the one, the one, just like Jesus did. Stephanie and I went to this like social mixer thing. Um, for her company. And it was at a food truck park, so it was incredibly casual, super laid back, right? You get, your, you get your ticket, you go get your food or whatever. And and she and I, we're both extroverts. Like, I'm on the far end end of Uber extrovert. I'll talk to anyone and everyone about anything, right? Like, we can just we're, we can be family. And, and yet, you know how many people we talked to that night? Zero. Other than ourselves. Like, we talked to each other. But we didn't talk to anyone else. And it's because everyone seemed to have their they're, they're people, right? Like everyone seemed to already be in a conversation. And it is incredibly difficult even for the uber extrovert to go insert themselves into someone else's conversation and into someone else's lives. Incredibly difficult. So if people come into this church and all we're doing is we're staying in our crew and we're not looking and saying, oh, there's someone new. Hey, I'm out. They're not going to come insert themselves into our lives. It's just not going to happen. But Jesus, while walking, doing his thing, while busy with people, sees Levi and is like, hey, dude, come on. I'm going to see you. I'm going to not pay attention to my other folks. I'm going to see you. Come with me. And he invites, he initiates that community. And so, if we're going to welcome people like Jesus, we've got to have a heart of humility and we've got to step out and initiate a relationship. And I, I know that's hard, I know that's difficult. But we've got to trust that we have the courage of Jesus. We've got the, the spirit of Christ in us to go and to initiate a conversation with someone new. And so we've got to lead the way. The third thing that we see in Jesus, and this, this means so much to, to me and to us, is, is that he had an open seat for anyone and everyone. So we can look and we can be like, okay, Jesus, he initiates and invites people in, but who? Like, does he just invite in the people who are like him? Does he just invite in the the, the fellow Jews? Does he just invite in the other carpenters? Like, who does he initiate and invite in? And and, and here's, this is, is, I think, one of the biggest problems in the church today. Is that we've created a culture where you've got to behave before you can belong. Right? Like, you've got to clean yourself up before you can maybe work your way in. You've got, to, you've got to dress like us or look like us or talk like us or, or fit in this bubble with us. Like you've, you've got to conform to us before you can be in community with us. And, and that's not how Jesus worked. That's how the Pharisees worked. Like The Pharisees had a table. The religious elite, the, the Pharisees, the religious like know-it-alls, they had a table. But in order to sit at the table with them, you, you had to b- believe like them and behave like them and look like them. Otherwise, there wasn't a seat for you. There were maybe seats over there, but not with them. But that is not how Jesus works. He has an open seat for anyone and everyone. And praise be to God. Because if he didn't, you know who wouldn't have a seat at his table? And I'm guessing every one of us. If Jesus did not have an open seat at his table, you and I don't have a seat. It does not exist. But Jesus creates an open seat at the table. Look back at Levi in Mark too, right? Like who he calls. Levi's a tax collector, so, th- so that means that he has chosen to link up with Rome and collect taxes from his Jewish neighbors. And so Rome would say, like, hey, Levi, be our tax collector. Go collect 10% of taxes for Rome. And Levi would say, got it. And he would go up and he'd knock on the door and his neighbors would open the door and he'd be like, hey, taxes are due, 15%. 10% would go to Rome, 5% would go in his pocket. Next door, hey, taxes are due, 17%. Ten percent will go to Rome. Seven percent will go in his pocket. And so these tax collectors were getting rich, filthy rich, by stealing from their neighbors. And so they were absolutely hated. And yet that's who Jesus goes to. Hey, dude, come on. Like that's who you were, but that's not who you're going to be anymore. And then Levi, this shady tax collector dude, throws a party with all of his shady tax collector and sinner friends, and they're, they're getting drunk and whatnot. You know what Jesus does? He goes to the party. Like, Jesus goes and eats with them, and we know that Jesus never sinned, so he didn't get drunk, he didn't act stupid, he didn't dishonor God, but he went to the party because he went into their world, into their lives. He stepped into the mess of their existence, and he said, hey, I am with you. Come be with me. Come walk with me. He's an open seat for all. In Luke chapter 7, we see this incredible story where a Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner, and so Jesus is at the dinner of, uh, dinner at the table with this Pharisee. He, he's sitting there, and, and it says, that they, they've kind of, like, their homes aren't like ours. They've got a table that's kind of in this open air space. So imagine, like, um, um, like what am I thinking of? Uh, like, at a restaurant where you've got the outdoor seating. I, what's that word called? Patio. Thank you. Tough one. So imagine a patio setting, right? And they're sitting at this table, but in a patio, right? Like, like you and I could walk by and interact with people if we so chose to. Um, we could probably, you know, sit up next to them or whatnot. And so he's having dinner, and it says that this woman of the city, a, a prostitute, let's just call it what it is, comes up behind him and starts washing his feet w- with her tears and, and her hair. Like, she's just sobbing at his feet, and she's a woman of the city. Everybody knows it, so she's not dressed like Jesus. She, she doesn't look like him. She... she they probably know where she was the night before, and yet she's literally grabbing his feet and just, just sobbing. And it says in here that, that Simon, he said to her, or he, he, thought, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort, gosh, who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. You see, like, they looked at this woman, and they didn't see a person. They saw a problem. Like, they saw, man, this is, this is, she's messy. And Jesus saw a person, a daughter, created in the image of God. And he opened a seat for her to sit and to explore who he is. Man, Jesus, he, he had an open seat at the table for all. He had John and Peter who were blue-collar fishermen. Like, they don't make a lot of money. They work hard, they've got a seat. You got Mary, the town prostitute, she's got a seat at the table with Jesus. Luke, an upper class doctor, he's at the table. Thomas, the questioner and the skeptic, even after Jesus has risen, he's like, I don't know. It's questioning. Levi, the, the hated thief and crook. The woman at the well, the divorced woman who is ashamed, she's got a seat. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar he's at the table. Joseph of Arimathea, the the religious Pharisee who, who gave up his tomb for Jesus to be buried in, he's at the table. I mean, you've got the most diverse and wildly inclusive table that Jesus offers. And what I love about that table is I can see myself fitting there. Like, I can see myself on the best days fitting, and I can see myself on the worst days fitting because of Jesus and his invitation to have an open seat at the table. And let me just say this. This doesn't mean that, like, universalism, everybody is going to to heaven. We go to to heaven with God by faith in Jesus alone, but the invitation is for everybody. The, the, The doors are flung open for anyone and everyone to give their lives to Christ and follow him, no matter what they bring to the table. And what I think more often than not, the problem that people have with Christianity is not the Jesus of Christianity. I think more often than not, the problem people have with Christianity are the people who call themselves Christians but don't act like Jesus. That's where I think more often we have a problem. Is we wanna tell people, hey, Jesus invites you into his life and yet we don't wanna invite people into our life. Hey, Jesus loves you and yet we don't wanna love people. You know what? In, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that you can speak with, with tongues of angels. Like, you can put together the best message ever of how Jesus loves you, but if you don't love people, it sounds a lot like this, right? It's tough to tell people how, you, how Jesus loves them when all they hear is this. We want people to know that Jesus loves them, and yet we want to We want to sound like that because we don't want to love them first. It's a problem. It doesn't honor Jesus well, and it doesn't invite people in to his family. He had an open seat at the table for all, he welcomed you and me in. We didn't deserve a seat. I wasn't clean enough, I haven't been, and yet, and yet still in an incredible grace and love, like this is ridiculous, that, that he doesn't see my sin, he just sees me, and in his love, he's willing to take all of my sin on himself, so that it can be removed and forgiven, and that I can stand in the presence of God, perfectly righteous because of Jesus, And yet I don't want to love people who are different than me. We don't want to welcome people into our lives because they're messy and it may make our lives messy. We don't want to give of ourselves because it's difficult and I just went easy. And yet if Jesus didn't do that for you and me, come on, we'd be on the outside looking in. And so here's the deal. If we are going to lead people to life in Jesus, then we have to welcome them as Christ has welcomed us. There's no other option. The church should be the most diverse and loving community on the planet because we have received the greatest love given to the most diverse people on the planet. Look, we don't want to compromise on what this says ever. We don't want to not point to Jesus as the only way to life. But this also teaches me that I am to love everyone. And I'm to love them well. And that also means if I'm going to love them well, I'm going to share the gospel with them. I have to open my mouth and tell them how Jesus can forgive their sins and that they can have a new life with God today and forever. Because if all I do is make this short little blip of eternity better, but I don't pay any attention to their eternal life after this, that is not loving. It's not. And so we have to open our mouths and tell people, How we all look to make the most out of life because that's how we're created and yet we've all walked away from life. God himself, we've all walked away but Jesus came to fix what I broke. Jesus came to clean up our mess. Jesus came to stand in my place so that one day I can stand in his for all of eternity. And so the perfect life that God expected of us, the conditions that God expected was perfection and you and I did not and will not live up to that but Jesus did. He lived and met that condition of perfection. And then the punishment that we deserve for our sin against God, Jesus took on himself on the cross. He was separated from God so that we can be joined back to a relationship. And none of that matters if Jesus is still dead. If Jesus is dead, then forget it. None of it matters. But he's not He is alive, he's risen and over 500 people have an eyewitness account of seeing him and he's alive today so that he can make that invitation to you and to me and to all of our friends that, hey, your sins can be forgiven and you can be made righteous by faith in Jesus and you can have a new life with God today and forever. And so if you're here and you've trusted that, then you've had that forgiveness of sins and you have that new life. And if you're here and you've not trusted that, then you're still carrying the weight of your sins, and Jesus is inviting you to trust him with that and to have forgiveness of sins and new life. And then he's telling every one of us to go and to invite people into our lives, to welcome them as Jesus has welcomed us, and to share with them how they too can have life in Jesus. That's the only way we're going to lead people to life in Jesus it's the only way we have life in Jesus. Well, let's pray. And I just want to start by asking you to would you just consider two things. One, if If you've not been welcoming to others, if you've been exclusive in your love and your invitation, would you confess that to God and ask for his forgiveness? And he is faithful and ready to do that. And would you commit to going to those people or person and ask for their forgiveness? And then secondly, would you think and listen for God to to tell you who is someone in your life that you can invite into a relationship with you and that you can share about Jesus with? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.